Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell. So you can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, make sure and subscribe to our magazine and get access to all of our insider content at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. As always, we've got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing, man? Yo, what is up, man? Are you surprised we have anything to talk about, even though there were only apparently two relevant games in college football yesterday? <laughs> all right, all right. It's fine. I'll, I'll go off for a second on that. <laughs> so, so for some reason, I, I don't really understand why yesterday was the day that we decided to do this, but yeah. uh, but some, some random sports writers who I don't think are even around college football or care or anything... <laughs> We're like, uh, I can't watch college football. I don't like watching it because there's only like a couple relevant games all season long. And like, okay, here, here's my thing, right? If you only care about the national title, like if you are a zero-sum college football fan, mm-hmm. then like you are the most boring human. Like, it's, Seriously. it's just, you are watching this sport so wrong. Like, well, I'll, I mean, I'll it, also say it was, it was, uh, it was all set off by a Ross Dellinger tweet. Um, he mentioned, oh, yeah? cause it was a bad, it was, it was a bad night for prime time, big time college football. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, game sure. day went to Lincoln. Like, of course they were going to get yeah. their butts kicked the, by Ohio the worst State. Idea. The so, worst idea. So, so it was Ross Dellinger tweeted Saturday night in college football, Auburn 42, Mississippi State 9. Ohio State 30, Nebraska 0. Like, those were the big-time, prime-time matchups that they had on, on national television. And so I, that's obviously not what his point was, was that college football was bad. But his point was like, wow, this is a really bad night of big-time college football. Right, And right. there were some writers who saw that tweet and was like, oh, this is the best college football can do this weekend? And then they just went off <laughs> on their, like, on their tangents. Right. Well, and, like, I mean, the thing is, too, is – the thing that got us into this mess, because, you know, one, what one of the guys is kind of saying is like, oh, well, you know, the, the top team should just kind of break away and just kind of do their own thing. And, like, yeah. you know, we should only pay attention to the relevant programs. The thing that got us in this position was that we tried to pay attention to the quote-unquote historically relevant program and right. tried to put game day in Nebraska. Right. Like, it turns out Nebraska just sucks, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I, – I just don't understand – and I said it on Twitter, I'll say it here too, okay? Yeah. If you watch college football for who wins the title, you're doing it wrong. Because yep. you, the best part about this sport is that there are 130 teams, I think, right now in the FBS. Not to mention all the FCS, all the Division Two, all Division Three, which also are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch this sport because... Of just the mayhem of it. Oh, yeah. You know, you watch this sport because... Because you uh, don't... UCLA is coming back from 32 down at 4 a.m. Like, that's why you right. watch this craziness. <laughs> right. And, like, there is certainly a time and place for NFL football and yep. to watch the sport being played at the highest level. Yep. Um, you know, but, like, the best part about this sport is, like, hey, man, some guy named Swag Kelly went and beat Bama. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. A guy named like, Scooby Wright was a dominant linebacker at Arizona. <laughs> Like, San Jose State went and beat Arkansas, and then Arkansas turned around and nearly beat one of our teams, which we will definitely talk about in just a second. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get started before I just drone on about this all day long, because I, I absolutely could do it. Yeah. Okay. 
We're going to start at the bottom of the college power pole as normal. Uh, UTSA, they had a bye this week. They didn't do anything to move up, so Mm -hmm. they're still at the bottom. Number 11, UTEP. Uh, I mean, they had a bad showing against Southern Miss, but it wasn't horrifically bad, and I think that Southern Miss could actually be pretty good. Uh, Let me check on the final here, but I'm pretty sure it was um, 31-13. Yeah, it was. You know. Like, and like I think I'm not sure if if they officially passed the torch to Kai Loxley because like I know yeah. Brandon Jones started again, um, but Loxley ended up playing a lot more. I believe he he ran about. Yeah. Let me see. I have the numbers right here. He ran 12 times for 114 yards. He threw two more times than Brandon Jones. So I don't know if this was officially like the okay. Let's see. Let's let's hand this offense back to the best athlete on the on the team probably. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that that's probably going to be the case. And, I mean, they are just a more dynamic offense with him in the game. Um, You know, he had a 63-yard breakaway touchdown. I mean, those are the kind of plays that you're just not getting from a Brandon Jones. Um, And, you know, the passing game just isn't in a place right now where you can exactly just be like, well, you know, maybe Brandon Jones has a bigger arm, but, like, you just kind of need that dual threat right now with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just the, the issues across the roster right now. But... I mean, 31-13 is not the worst score. Like, I'm oh, not yeah. going to sit here and, and say that, like, UTEP got killed or anything. So, right. I mean, so they stay at number 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10, I... And also, by the way, the UT, uh, they get UTSA at home next weekend, which is looking like a really interesting game now. Yeah, yeah. Again, one of those games that uh, maybe uh, won't be put on ABC that uh, you should definitely watch. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, okay, when it comes to 10 and 9... I, I I just, at this point, I had to do it. Okay, Rice is 0-5. I can't keep putting them ahead of three teams. Right. Uh, so Rice is number 10 now. They should have beaten Louisiana Tech. Like, Easily. They, not they not have, like could have, they should have. They should have. They, they kicked, a, what was it, less than a minute to go? They had the game-winning field goal, basically? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a couple minutes, like, not long left in the game. They're up 17-14. They just need to get one stop and... And, and they just they basically like LaTeX basically completes like two passes and gets back into <laughs> gets in the range of a field goal and then ended up uh, just putting it away. Yeah, yeah, it was it was disappointing. I mean, because Rice was the better team. I mean, Rice outplayed them. They were up fourteen seven for a while, then they mm-hmm. were up seventeen fourteen for a while. But I mean, and and this is what young teams do. You know, they play teams that are better than them at a high level, and it's just about finishing, right? I mean, that's yep. that's the part that. That great teams know how to finish. They know how to kind of make those final plays. And Rice just isn't necessarily there right now. But I think that we hoped when they went into Conference USA play and were no longer playing these super elite teams, we Mm -hmm. hoped that Rice would be able to kind of show a little bit more, you know, like sort of show that they can compete with anybody. And I think that against a really pretty good Louisiana Tech team, I think they did it. Yeah, I know. It's it's just frustrating for... It's frustrating for us because we we see the improvement, and it's obviously got to be even more frustrating for them because, you know, you know Bloomgren definitely sees the improvement, and it's just like, oh, God, they just can't get that first win right now. And they're not, you know, none of these games have been bad or step backs or, you know, uh, games where you're like, man, they just look terrible. It's like they've, they've all been really good and really competitive and so much better than I think what we thought that they were where they were this year. Um and so now that I mean now it's unfortunate now you got UAB uh, on the road and then you got UTSA on the road, which is probably your best shot at, a, at the win. But 
golly, you were so close to getting this. That's just so frustrating. I'm trying to find that final drive of La Tech because I know Rice kicked a field goal uh, with 31 seconds, I believe, to go. And oh no, minute and ten. Sorry, minute ten to go. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was about a minute. Yeah, I thought it was about a minute. And then, let's see. Anyway, you vamp about rise a little bit more. I'm trying to find this really fast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a joke at this point. It's kind of a running joke, but like, they must be one of the best zero and five teams of all time. Oh, like, but, like seriously, like, <laughs> like they look re- really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I. I don't even remember the last time that a team had a non-conference slate that was this bad. You know, right, because I mean, right. you you see you see teams scheduling maybe multiple Power Five teams. I've never seen a team schedule three Power Five games, and on top of that, one of the teams is borderline top ten in Texas. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, maybe in this week's poll, the other two teams might be undefeated and ranked. And right. Then on top of that, we're not even counting Army, who won 11 games last year. Like, this might be a historically difficult non-conference slate. And they have stuck with it, man, and and they've competed. And even against Louisiana Tech, I mean, another team that you can consistently count on to compete in Conference USA, I mean, it has been absolutely unfair to start the year. Because I think that if this team is playing... You know, if this team had played five conference games at this point, I think mm-hmm. they'd be more like three and two than zero oh and five. Right. No, exactly. I agree. Uh, I think I think something happened with the stats because I cannot find that final drive. Um, so anyway, but it, but yeah. it was it was really frustrating. Rice had the game one, and then Louisiana Tech just marched down the field and tied it up again. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, you know, Rice, come on, just we're waiting for that win. We yep. know it's coming. It's well, coming. We're waiting for it, uh, and. Well, the reason that I had to move Rice down is obviously because they're 0 and 5 and because Texas State is now on a winning streak. Yeah. So God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not well, much. And, is, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, I will say, uh, you know, it looks like a win over an FCS team because it is. Yeah. But uh, heading into this game, I mean, a lot of stat projections had this game being super close. A lot of the. Uh, the Vegas line was like, depending on where you looked, I think that you could get it at like one or two points as early as game day. Like, I mean, this was not a game that Texas State necessarily was expected to blow out. Right. Yeah. It. I think uh, we kind of learned a lesson from UTSA UIW where, you know, in week one where it's like, oh, I don't know, it's a good team. And oh, man, this is, you know, could could catch them on the wrong day. And in the end, you're just kind of like, OK, they're not that you know things look bleak but they're not that bad right like we they're not right. they're not in the territory of oh god are they going to lose to a pretty okay fcs team um and this game was i mean there's not much to talk about first half looked really really dour on offense uh defense the defense shut down a really 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 good nickel state offense um it was 3-3 heading into the break Greshianson looked really really shaky um couldn't really get a rhythm going and then the second half something clicked he finished 22 of 29 with 253 through the air um Caleb Twyford was had 73 yards just under five yards of carry um they were hitting big plays they were you know not letting Nichols do anything really um and yeah I think it was going into a bye week now I think that was a really big second half that Texas State's needed for a while because I mean, myself included. We were uh, a lot of chat on Twitter. They were getting really frustrated with Gress Jensen again of his checkdowns, his you know playing horizontal, and in the second half he hits Javon Banks for a seventy-seven yard throw. Like <laughs> it was like, okay, there we go. There's the vertical game that we've been wanting to see. So uh, 
again, like you said, it is an FBS team over an F- FCS team, but this is a team that we weren't really sure could take advantage of that uh, talent differential. Right. Well, and I mean, there is the factor of it being like a legitimate rivalry game, too. Yeah, you know? so there, yeah. There's weirdness involved. Now, sure, sure. L- let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, two things, actually. You know, you mentioned sort of the horizontal passing game, and that has been one a hallmark and two a frustration of previous Jake's Babdell teams at yep. times. Yep. Um, and, and the other, I guess, less of a question, but, but when you see Jensen out there, I mean, how much of that do you think is, I guess, being coached? Mm-hmm. And how much of that is sort of Jensen not wanting to take shots? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And I guess, <clears throat> I guess it is partially being coached because... He heading into the half, I noticed Spavadol really talked about when the offense wasn't moving at all. I believe both teams had like a hundred less than a hundred yards each of total offense in the at halftime. Um, it wasn't he wasn't critical of Jensen. He was critical of like ah, we got to get the run game going. We got to give him some balance. We got to you know, uh, you know, we're not blocking up front to set up these throw you know these screens and all. so I think it is like this might just be the offense, but I think. Because Jensen's so inconsistent going deep that when you see him sticking to these inter- uh, short routes, you kind of get get the feeling of like, okay, are they just sticking with this because they you know this is what he can do well, and or is the or is or is this the offense right? Are they trying to set up some deep deeper shots um, later on down the line, which obviously in this game turned out to be the case. Um, but I just think when you see Jensen missing open receivers deep or in the intermediate game you kind of start getting more frustrated and you know uh when when you see him more or less hitting these screens these bubble routes and these hitch routes um you know than you probably would with Tyler Vitt who you know can has the arm to get things going deeper um but again that, that like you mentioned that that's a good point about Spavadol you know that's just kind of until he went to Dana really um who's naturally more vertical uh, at AM at Cal he was thrown horizontally, right? And people hated that at AM. Uh and that's just that just might have be something that you have to get used to with him as a him and Stitt together. They you know, that's just kind of might be their thing. Yeah, well and I mean I think even more than or just as much as kind of going with Dana is having a quarterback in Will Greer who can legitimately right. throw it down the field accurately every single time. And and I think the big thing is too is that, you know, we know Spavadol as being sort of a you know, a high-level offensive coordinator. But I think in some funny ways, there's a, a conservative streak in him, you yeah. know, where he doesn't want to make a ton of mistakes. And, and I think that part of that, too, is being a young coach and not wanting to make a ton of mistakes. Right. But, like, but um, you know, that's something where I think heading into conference play, like, you have to set up those long passes, you know, against Texas A&M, against, you know, SMU, whoever, those teams can take away those long balls. Mm-hmm. And and that's something with just their safeties. Yep. And uh, now, I mean, heading into conference play, these teams shouldn't be able to do that anymore. And this is where I think, I mean, if you're not going to throw the ball deep with Gretsch Jansen, then, I mean, what, what are you doing out there? You know, right. you have to kind of balance things out because – when you do that, it just extends the field and it opens up the run game and gives more opportunities underneath. I mean, it just changes the game. So I, I'm kind of curious to see what happens. I'm kind of curious to see whether Spavadol adjusts. And, and also, again, as he gets more comfortable with uh, with the Ensign under center, whether that changes too. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number eight, Texas Tech. They got murdered by <sighs> Oklahoma. Um, it turns out that Alan Bowman is actually important to this team (laughs) 
Um, you know, I I don't know. I I think that there was there, I was, there's not a I whole was planning lot you can on, take. Oh yeah, I was planning on watching this game. I came in late. And then I saw the end of the first quarter, 17 nothing. I was like, well, Tech's not coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like it wasn't even that Tech couldn't co- score 17. I was like, they're not going to score Oklahoma. F- they're not going to stop Oklahoma from keeping to- from still scoring 17 more every other quarter. Like, <laughs> that, that was my thing. And I was like, I don't need to watch this game. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, again, there's nothing you can take from this game, you know, mm-hmm. really, in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, the quarterback situation, Jackson Tyner went one for five for two yards, so I don't think we'll be seeing much of him again. Did he start? Uh, he started, right? He started. He oh, started. God. He played okay. a couple of drives. Yeah, yeah he – yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, and he came into this game 0 for 3. So in his tech career so far, he is 1 for 8 for two yards. Oh. Like, you you can't play that. Like, right. I, I know that Jet Duffy has fumble issues. He has interception issues. He has decision-making issues. He has a lot of issues. But, yeah. I mean, he just – Jackson Tyner can't do things like this at this level. I mean, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, and obviously on the other end, Jalen Hurts just freaking demolishes them. And I mean, I'm I'm curious to see Jalen Hurts play against some better teams because uh, I, still I mean, think we're that not going to know what Oklahoma is until they play Texas. Like, no, we re- won't. what what Oklahoma really is because right, <laughs> the schedule's been perfect just to set up Oklahoma to look amazing and for Jalen Hurts to look like a quarterback he's never been before. No doubt. Well, and, and the next couple of weeks for Tech, they play versus Oklahoma State next Saturday at Baylor oh, God. versus Iowa State. Those yeah, are their it next could, three it could games. Get a lot worse. And then, and then your two quote unquote more winnable games at Kansas at West Virginia. The, the two weeks after that, like yeah. By then, you're hoping so, the backups kind of settled in, and you know. Well, and, and you're hoping, obviously, at a certain point that uh, that you get Bowman back. That's we never true, got sort true. of a, a firm timeline. But the other thing, too, is like Bowman has to look a whole lot better than he did against Arizona, too. Mm-hmm. And um, and I mean, that's why kind of on the schedule, like I circled Arizona. I'm like, they have to win this game because yeah. because all of a sudden it's like, OK, let's just talk about games that they'll be favored in. Right. Mm-hmm. Not Oklahoma State, not Baylor, not Iowa State. At Kansas, they might be a narrow favorite. Mm-hmm. At West Virginia, it's probably a 50-50 game, but again, on the road in right. November in Morgantown. Then you get TCU at home, you won't be. Kansas State, you won't be. Texas, you won't be. So there are two games <laughs> where you're like, all right, maybe they can compete. And and so if let's say they win one of those. I don't think that's that crazy. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you're looking at a 3-9 and nine team. And yeah. and. There will be context, and I hope that at this point, I mean, well, I know that some people are already going to start turning out wells because this is how football works. But, right. um, but you know, I think you just look at this team and you're like, wow, you know, we kind of had some expectations that they could win seven or eight games, and you lose Bowman, but still, you know, still, mm-hmm. um, you know, falling all the way down to three and nine after some pretty, you know, not spectacular years, but pretty consistently average years, at least, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and for me, I thought that this was going to be a little bit more of a rebuild than maybe even Wells in sure. some ways thought it would be, but, uh, just from a roster perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the early signs have been very, very concerning. All right. Moving on to number seven, North Texas. And actually, uh, seven is North Texas, six is Houston. So we can talk about these teams together. Okay. So, uh, okay. So I, w- <laughs> so I was at first, that game last night. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you go off on a second. So, uh, I just kind of want to set it up. So basically, this game was Houston hitting every big play that we've been waiting for them to hit all season in one game. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what that's what I saw. Um, anyway, yeah, now you go on because I was <laughs> I was like I was watching this game. I was like, how are they hitting every single big play that I thought they'd be hitting every week leading up to now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's now part, obviously part of it is is North Texas defense. I mean, that's just sure, that's sure. just legitimately yep. part of it. They're just I don't they, I, I just don't think they're very good this season. They're not. They're just. I mean, they might be bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean. Look, it's hard to have consistent Conference USA defense, you know, at, at a place that's never truly consistently had it before. I mean, right. that's just, you know, I mean, we I think we kind of had high expectations of the defense coming into the year, but like they lost all of their best players from last year's defense. Mm-hmm. Like the only guy that they really bought, brought back was Ladarius Hamilton on the off, on the defensive line. That's kind of it. Yep. You know, him and Kyrie Muhammad are like the two above average starters on that defense that they brought back so I mean I it's not a huge surprise that their defense is in trouble but the thing I was surprised by and the thing I was kind of encouraged by was just like how much Houston beat up North Texas on both sides because I mean and there's a certain level of I mean the American is a better conference and is a higher recruiting conference I mean you do have a talent advantage um, and, and conferences say really does not look very good right now, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they came out and just demolished them. I mean, Mason Fine was running for his life almost every single play. And uh, now I will say, too, like, it's a little concerning to me at North Texas. You know, with Rico Bussy out, they don't really have a whole lot of sure things. Yeah. And I think that that kind of There's a lot of projecting up. going on right now. Yeah. And I think that. You know, I mean, we'll see whether it actually becomes an issue against CUSA teams. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't necessarily know that for sure. But, like, I don't know. Houston came out, and they played motivated, and they played excited. And that's something I was worried about. I was worried yeah. about after all this noise with Derek King and all of that over the past week that uh, that we wouldn't necessarily see that, that we wouldn't necessarily see a team that was ready to play, that was ready to compete. Um, you know, they really wanted to put that – to the side they really wanted to be like i mean sure whatever i guess clayton tunes are starting quarterback who cares and right. <laughs> and talking to guys after the game i mean they they definitely were like i mean we've had to block out all that noise you know we love Derek, but i mean you know clayton tunes are starting quarterback now and we're gonna you know act like that now and i mean and clayton tune looked really really good yeah i know that, like, that that's one thing i wanted to ask you was so the official word so far right is that yeah. Derek King is coming back. Right. Do you think he'd... I don't want to say this is like this is my conspiratorial hat, and so, like, I, you know, you can, you can call me crazy or whatever. Do you think something in Dana's mind is hoping that he ends up transferring? Because, so because I, I think... So, so with this move, right, you, you move on to Clayton Toon. And you have your quarterback, and Dana has a quarterback who he's probably more suited to mold an offense around. And he knows he's going to be here for multiple years, right? I'm not saying the talent is the same, but it's a it's a Lawrence Kelly Bryant situation, right? Where it's it's not the same talent talent wise. Um, De'Ara King's clearly the better quarterback, but it's a hey, my offense works better with this guy, or may work better with this guy. So here's the reason that I'll say no. Okay. Here is a list of all of the scholarship quarterbacks that Houston has playing right now on its roster. Mm -hmm. Clayton Toon. That's the list. (laughs) (laughs) He's the only score. He's the only scholarship quarterback on the entire roster. When, when Toon goes out, 
uh, Holgerson's son, who's a preferred walk-on, comes in. Like, right. And you obviously hope to add to that in the offseason, but, mm-hmm. like, you know I mean? When you are in a perilous quarterback situation, I mean, things can get out of hand fast. And, I mean, I do think that there is still a very decent chance that King ends up transferring and, uh, and I mean, maybe making the right decision for himself. But, mm-hmm. like, I do think that if you're Houston, I mean, and the other thing, too, is that regardless of, of how this is all happening, like, the, the people still love him in that locker room, you know? Like, mm-hmm. people still like Derek King and know how to play with him. I mean, so I, I think that... For example, if Dana tried also to not do everything in his power to bring him back, I think that there would be a lot of issues. But, I mean, I I think that Dana wants to be good next year, too. And, mm-hmm. like, I think that King is probably the quarterback who's more ready to do that next year than Clayton Toon, even though sure. I think you're right. I think that Clayton Toon, long-term, is going to be a much better fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's a lot to manage. That's, that's yeah. kind of what it comes down to. You know, and, like, Dana has to walk this line just right. right. Because, you know, for example, if he if he comes out too in favor of D.R. King, too, like, Clayton Toon might get upset and decide to transfer. Right. You know, yeah. like, like managing quarterbacks is one of the hardest things in the sport at this point and it's this is as weird a situation i think as we've ever seen yeah it's it's gonna be interesting because i mean the schedule gets hard around late october or mid mid to late october early november um but you could i mean they could be going in smu back at 500 let me see over 500 they can you know they got cincinnati which is not not an easy game but then they go at yukon i mean there's a ch- you know if they steal that cincinnati game and they go you know then they get smu on espn right that's a primetime game um i don't know I just, I just feel that like there's a chance not not a big one but there's a chance that like if they pull an upset at SM, uh, against smu or something and then maybe beat one of memphis or ucf like, you know, does the Clayton tune like, oh, look how much better this offense looks. And, you know, the the, the talk starts. Right. And I don't want to say Dana necessarily pushes him out. But if De'Aaron King's like, oh, God, I, I want to have a quarterback battle on my hands next spring. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that that's a fair question to ask. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot would have to go right. Right. That's sure. The sure right. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. I'm, I'm projecting. Because... I'm projecting the, the split to win one or two two of the uh to beat one or two of the three best teams in the conference right i mean and and like cincinnati at home i mean houston's gonna be heavy underdogs sure you know and and then obviously smu houston's gonna be heavy underdogs at Mm -hmm. ucf uh and versus memphis right like those are four games that if you had to guess right now those are almost certainly losses and like and the thing is too on top of that is like if those four games are likely losses, that's seven losses as is. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to steal one of those games just to make a bowl game. So, like, right. just the opportunity to make a splash, I mean, it's it's difficult. And, and, like, that's obviously assuming that you don't slip up against Tulsa, and make you know, that you don't slip up against Navy, which are just tough teams to play. I mean, the schedule is really hard. That's mm-hmm. what it comes yeah. down to. And, uh, and obviously, you know, credit to them, but they did themselves no favors by scheduling Oklahoma, Washington State, and even North Texas all in the non-conference late in one year. So yep. it's going to be brutal uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think we'll learn a lot about Dana Holgerson. And I think the biggest thing that you take away from this game is that Dana Holgerson had his guys ready to play after oh, yeah. all of that. And, <clears throat> yeah, we were, and, I was really worried about this game. Yeah, and I think that there's 
I mean, even I fall into sometimes because Dan is such a laid back guy. I mm-hmm. think that sometimes we forget that this is a really, really good football coach yeah. and a guy who's motivated a lot of locker rooms and built programs before. Like this is a guy who can do the thing. And, um, and I think that we saw it firsthand against North Texas and there'll be tougher battles. I mean, again, I think that that Cincinnati game could be a, a linchpin of their season. Like they have to, mm-hmm. you know, have a good performance. They have to be motivated because if they get killed, if they just get boat raced, like yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, it's a lot harder to go and try to convince everybody like, Hey, we're playing for this year. We're playing, you know, to get better, all that right, sort of stuff. Right, I mean, right. it just gets harder. Okay. We got to talk about Texas A&M. Oh God! Okay. So, uh, so uh, what does there to say? <laughs> so, so to reiterate, um, yeah. we have to talk about top twenty-five Texas A&M. Oh God! So, Man, I, I cannot. Okay, so the first thing people are gonna say is, <laughs> "Oh, you know, it's Arkansas. There's weird. Can- this is a bad Arkansas." This, this is a is very bad in both those coaches that we used to associate this craziness of this game with are gone. Like Bielema's yeah. gone, Sumlin's gone. This this game is not. You cannot. This isn't Iowa Iowa State, right? The craziness cannot be a staple of this game, um, right. or it can't be something you you cling on to. This is a bad Arkansas team, and they came in and they let Ben Hicks, who. We're not the biggest fans of as a quarterback, uh, but he's a great guy. Bet he's a great guy, but we were not fans of him as a quarterback. We weren't Shout fans out to good Texas man. I, <laughs> I won't have you disrespecting like this. <laughs> we, uh, we 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 we're seeing what. Options, um, and we we saw. AM let him come in midway through the game. Let's see, he finished 15 to 27 for 188 yards. That's not very indicative of, I, I thought, how good he looked against, the, against AM. No. He was no. making throws. He was scrambling out of the pocket, making things happen, uh, buying time with his feet. He looked fantastic. And I don't know how Chad Morris goes back to Nick Starkle after this game. But um, yeah, AM, what, what happened? What was going on? Well, and here's the thing too, right? It's like we know that Arkansas lost to San Jose State, and the one, yeah. th- <laughs> a quick aside, I, I saw somebody tweet, um, or, or uh, San Jose State playing against Air Force and losing by whatever like twenty points and being like, oh my god, Arkansas. And I'm like, why did them losing to Air Force convince you that San Jose State was bad? Right. Like, it's like Air- no, San Air Jose Force is just San. Jose- uh, right. Like, like that's the team that if if you. If San Jose State competes against another team, yeah. that's how you tell them that they're bad. Right. You know, like like it's it's like the Georgia State thing, right? It's yeah. like, oh wow, you know, Georgia State, you know, lost to Texas State. It's like, no, but like Georgia State is Georgia State. Right. Like we're, this is one of the worst teams in America. We don't have to contextualize that. That's, right. This, this is just a bad program. This is just the number one hundred twenty six out of hundred thirty or something like that. Right, like, right, right. And and San Jose State. Right. Okay. Compare this to A and M's offensive numbers. Mm-hmm. San Jose State rushed for 4.2 yards per carry. Texas A and M rushed for 2.7. San Jose State passed for 402 yards. A and M passed for 251. San Jose State completed 8.9 yards per pass attempt. Uh, Texas A and M had 7.2 yards per pass attempt, and they both scored an identical 31 points. So, not only did San Jose State beat this team as well, they clearly 
were more impressive than Texas A&M doing it. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 when it was looking like Arkansas could win this game, right? And they were, it was literally down to the last drive for them. Um, I, I started looking at A&M down the line, this, 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 the season schedule. Yeah. And you started to really panic. Now, they won, so congrats to them. They got the win. This is the game they should have won. Um, but now I'm just looking at the schedule and the games that we originally pegged as, oh, yeah, they should win that. Now, they still should beat teams like Ole Miss. They still yeah. should beat teams like Mississippi State. Maybe. They should still beat teams like South Carolina. Maybe. But now you're looking at this team and they gave up they surrendered a lead to a backup quarterback of an offense that's really struggling that's yeah. coming off a loss to San Jose State and now i can't peg them as a i can't say that i mean they should still win those games but now i can't say yeah they'll still finish around 6 and 6 i can't right. say that anymore <laughs> like 4 and 8 is in the possibilities just cuz things can go bad if the defense struggles like this if the offense fails to just like move the ball for an entire half again like texas because texas a&m's offense and it wasn't kellen mon's fault right that should people are gonna throw him under their bus again just they will and absolutely have yeah because like that's just how it is with the quarterback position um especially with somebody like jimbo who's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer and you know when you when he's not putting up incredible numbers on incredible efficiency you're like what's wrong with the quarterback but yeah, the offense just stalled again for, for an entire half, and you're like, okay, where'd that come from? Like, you know, where, where's you know the running game wasn't there, right? That's the other thing. The running they could not run the ball. Arkansas's not good, and they couldn't run the ball. Right, and the thing is too is like all of a sudden, and, and I wrote about this on TexasFootball.com. So yeah. I mean, I, I went a little bit more in depth with the offensive stuff, but yeah. but you look at last year and some of the success they were they were able to have in a lot of different phases on offense. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that kind of just looks like they had an NFL tight end and an NFL running back, and that was the difference between last year and this year. Yeah. You know, like, like all of a sudden, it looks like, oh, maybe you just had a good player that you don't have anymore. And yeah, like, right, that's true. And, and you're waiting for someone to... I mean, like, but that's the other thing, is, like, no one's even remotely been that guy. Like, they can't even do running back by committee. No, no. one's even, like, come close to that. Like, I mean, Spiller obviously was looking like the guy, but obviously that's not the case anymore. But Yeah, um, had some fumble issues. Yeah. Um, but, like, no one's come close to replicating anything to where you're like, ah, there's a little inkling of a running game. No one's right. even come close to that. Well, and, and obviously, to a certain extent, I mean, so much of the roster at this point is still obviously on, on the Sumlin era. But, yeah, like, but still. to But it's not, to like have... it's not like he didn't recruit guys. Like, it's not like no. they didn't have talent. No. And, I mean, at this point, too, it's just, at a certain level, it's like, how do you have this few quality running back options? Right. You know, and, and right. how are you, you know, I mean, obviously you did think that Corbin was going to be the guy, but it's not like Corbin was, like, setting the world on fire against Clemson or anything like that. Right. You know, it's not like he was necessarily a difference maker. Now, I think he would have been better than what they've got, but not by a whole lot. And And so, all of a sudden, you're in a situation where you're like, wait... Why did you have one maybe good running back and that's it? Yeah. You know, like like running backs. I mean, I mean, hell, you know, th- this is where you start being like, hey, 
Rashad Paul, you don't need to play receiver. Come move over to running back and let's right. just see what you've got. You know, Seriously. I mean, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, and I now, mean, now you wonder, like, <clears throat> I'm looking at their recruiting right now, and now, I mean, like, are you banking that much on getting Zach Evans? Like, because they don't have a, they have, they have, let me see, they have one running back commit, and it is, uh, I had it right here, it's DeAndre Jackson, that's out of Georgia, three-star okay. running back. That's the only running back commit for 2020 they have. They have a very yeah. good class, but that is the only running back. And now you're looking at, again, you're projecting a little bit more. Like, obviously, some of these guys on the roster right now will improve and, you know, Corbin will get better and things like that. But are you betting on are you betting on landing Zach Evans? Like, if you do, you know, if you, if you get him, more power to you. You know, you land the number one running back along with the number one quarterback and wide receiver in the state. But you, I, I don't know. Like, you're, you're banking on a lot here um, by, one, not recruiting guys. I mean, they, they're going after Devon Shannon. Um, for Ben Marshall, and he could be the guy as well. But, like, I don't know. Right now on the roster, you should be able to see some inkling of, you know, talent developing there in the backfield, and I just don't consistently see it. Right. Well, and that's the issue, right? You have, you know, you have, I think, a pretty good guy at quarterback, but maybe a guy who doesn't fit, and I think we're seeing that play out at times. Um, But then you look across the rest of that offense, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. running backs haven't developed. Wide receivers really haven't developed in any meaningful way. I mean, they had a decent game, I think, against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, especially I think Osborne's a big player. Yeah. Um, you know, Courtney Davis made some big, big plays. Um, and uh, what, what's the kid's name? Is Aeneas Williams? Or am I thinking of the former NFL player? That's the uh, former NFL player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I, I, I can't remember what his name is off the top right. of my head. Right. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was big for them. And, yeah. um, you know, those three guys looked good, but... You haven't seen consistent receiver threats across the field, uh, in my opinion, really in the whole Fisher era. And, you know, last year you also – I honestly kind of forgot. Like, you had Jay Sternberger, who yeah. was that guy who Mon can just throw the ball away to. And you don't have a single guy who can be a safety blanket on this team for them. Um, and then on the offensive line, the offensive line has looked really bad so far. Like, yeah. really, really bad so far. And that's been a big part of them not being able to run the ball at all. And on top of that, that's a big part of why Kellen Mond hasn't been super comfortable either. I mean, it's just... I'm going to roll off... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to roll... I'm going to go back to his Florida State days. I'm going to roll off some of the the guys he had in his backfield at Florida State. (laughs) Devontae Freeman. James Wilder. That was one year. Carlos Williams. (laughs) Dalvin Cook. And uh, Cam Akers. Yeah. Like, all those are NFL talent running backs. Yep, and everybody looks to the quarterbacks. Everybody looks to Winston, to Manuel, to uh, even to Francois when it was looking like he was really good. And yeah, sure, those guys are talented and they're really good. But they had an NFL quality running back that you can throw that you knew was going to get you fifteen hundred yards uh, right there behind him to balance the offense. Right. If they if this if he doesn't have a running back, this offense doesn't work. Right, and I mean at a certain level too, it's just like you need to see these sort of things developing. Like they don't have to be finished products right now. Sure. No, you know, you don't have to you don't have to be all the way there, but like right. you wanna see them more. And and the other thing too is like I just if you're going to be this rigid as a play caller, as an offense, I mean, I don't know. I just I just need to see more. And mm-hmm. and when you look at the way that Florida State left it in terms of offensive line talent, mm-hmm. that is another huge 
red flag mm-hmm. because because they struggled to recruit them for a long time. Now, of course, you get a Kenyon Green last year. That helps. You know, he's yep. going to be a mainstay for multiple years. But I think that this group under their new offensive line coach, Josh Henson, hasn't looked a lot better. And last year, I mean, I guess we just really, really underrated how important Eric McCoy was to this offensive line. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, and especially just on the interior, right? The tackles have played okay. Like, the tackles haven't been the issue. You know, it's not like Mond is getting sacked uh, off the edge or anything like that. But up the middle, they're getting killed. Yeah. And, um, and again, you're playing a true freshman. That's part of it. I mean, that's definitely a part of it. But, like, the center is getting killed and the other left guard is getting killed too. Like, mm-hmm. that's just what's happening. And at a certain point, I just need to see it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, they were able to hire Jimbo because things kind of worked out in that things were not working out at Florida State. Right. And, and you know, it's been a couple years since we've seen Fisher kind of have a program rolling. So, you know, we got to see, can he do it again? Can he, you know, kind of get everybody on the same page again? Because so far it's been a, it's been a little bit shaky. Now, I do want to, I do want to mention one last uh, funny point about this. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you saw this tweet from uh, College Football Reddit. Uh, I did not. So... <laughs> The Jones family no longer does the trophy presentation for this game. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> now, uh, so there's a photo of, uh, I believe it's the long snapper. Um, they said it was Calzada, but I think it's actually the long snapper, Connor Schott, yeah. uh, picking up the Southwest Classic trophy to take it back to AM's locker room. So, you know, what's, you know, that, on, on, the, on the surface, you know, oh, okay, that's just weird. Uh, the Jones family no longer does the, the trophy pres- presentation. Oh, okay, sure, whatever. Until he realized... Oh, he doesn't do the trophy presentation anymore because he just keeps giving it to Texas A and M and not his alma mater. <laughs> so it took me I, a while I just, to realize. I, I was like, "Why does he do that?" Oh, that's right, because he can't. He never gives it to Arkansas. <laughs> so that was that was one thing. That was the last thing oh, I wanted to say about that game because that's just oh, that's just beautiful. Oh, <laughs> if yeah, Arkansas yeah, wins is. that game, you know he's doing a trophy presentation. Well, and and again, I mean, we have to say Texas A and M has played this game real close before, yeah. and they've still won eight straight games since joining the SEC. But, I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> like, just, you, you can't you can't let Arkansas stick around. That's just right. no. not something that's fair to do. So, right. anyway, moving on to TCU. Uh, TCU has a nice bounce back against Kansas. Uh, the flip side for TCU fans is that Gary Patterson was talking about Alex Delton after the game. So, there's that. <sighs> sure. <laughs> I thought I thought we were past it. I, I truly, truly thought we were past it. And maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe he's also just trying to, you know, hype up Delton just from a confidence perspective. Because obviously, you know, getting Ben for a true freshman isn't always the easiest thing in the world. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Like you said, I thought we were done. I thought we were done with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max Duggan, because the thing was, too, is that he was criticizing some of Max Duggan's throws. Max Duggan was 8 for 11 for 100 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gary. God. Um, we, we did see uh, DeMarque Foster and Darwin Bar- Barlow get into the game, though. So uh, okay. for Foster, 8 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Barlow had 13 carries for 51. So, you know, some fun names that uh, that we remember from Texas high school football. Uh, yeah, but. Definitely. And and I will say, I mean, the final score was fifty-one to fourteen, and and Kansas has not looked terrible this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, props to you, and or what is it? TCU. Yeah. Props to you, TCU, you for uh, for a pretty good overall performance, uh, shutting them down, and also 
finally, finally, finally building a little bit of offensive consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. What the hell, Baylor? Like, oh, God. You were up. They were up twenty to zero. Yeah, they were twenty to they, zero. They were firmly in control. I changed the channel, and then yeah. I forgot when I changed back. I think it was when it, I uh, I forgot exactly when I changed back. But I was like, hey, I, what happened? <laughs> so I was watching uh, some of the midday games in the office. Yeah, and um, because I had to just you know hop on thirty five and head up to Denton for for North Texas Houston, right. and. Uh, so I left at sort of late halftime, beginning of the third quarter, and I think they scored a touchdown to go 20-0, like right when I got in the car, basically. Mm-hmm. And by the time I parked and went into the office, all of a sudden it was 2014 and they had the ball. Like, it's just, <laughs> it went to hell so quickly, so dang quickly. I... Oh, God. So what, happened, was, so was, what happened with... So did the offense stall? Because again, I, I, keep in mind, I I, I I told you I turned it off when it was twenty one, when it was twenty to nothing. Um, well, did the offense just happen to stall, or like what what happened? So I mean, the big thing is, I actually think that on the whole, I kind of think that the offense was pretty bad all day. Okay, like. Well, that's right, because it was, it was very, it was like 7 nothing going into halftime or something like that, right? It wasn't necessarily yeah. like a blow, or like, they weren't controlling the game for the, for the entirety. No, well, and, and the thing is, too, is that a lot of those opportunities on offense, a lot of those points were set up by phenomenal defense. Okay. Like, uh, you know, so you just look at, you look at Baylor across the board, I mean, again, they had 7 points uh, heading into halftime, and they scored that touchdown with 58 seconds left in the second quarter. Like, this was a gotcha. defensive battle. Gotcha. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to assume or anything, but like Charlie Brewer got a big hit on him early. Uh, and yeah, and he did not look right after. Yeah. You know, and I mean, not that I'm trying to make comparisons, but you know, we've seen it before that like it sometimes Brewer just gets a hit and then just can't get back in rhythm. Like we've seen that before from him. I mean, mean, West Virginia last year was a frail looking guy. I mean, like, you know, big hits probably take their toll. Right. Well, and he's a lot thicker now than he was as a freshman, but he's right. still not. He's still not Sam. Right. You know, he's not Sam Ellinger, and like, you know. So, and the thing is too is like it's pretty rare in a lot of ways at this point for quarterbacks to get like a full on like pile driver hit. Right. But right. that's kind of what happened, and um, you know, and at the same time, I mean, he still finishes with three hundred seven yards, three touchdowns, because mm-hmm. that's what <laughs> Charlie Brewer does. But yeah. like. Um, but you know, he didn't look right. And since he didn't look right, the offense kind of struggled to come together. Uh, you know, they struggled to rush the ball. They tried to go vertical a little bit too much, which was a little frustrating against a team that plays eight back in coverage. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just don't quite know what you're thinking there. Um, you know, uh, the big frustration for me too, like Tristan Ebner only gets four carries. Like that's the guy who you feel like might be able to break through a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I think that this was overall just a pretty poor overall offensive game, even though, I mean, the funny thing is like you have 200 yard receivers, you both have touchdowns, you know I mean? Like Tyquan Thornton and Denzel Mims were awesome in this game, but mm-hmm. like that was kind of all you really had going offensively. Uh, defensively, it was they were freaking impressive, man. Like, they held Iowa State underwater for, yeah. you know, through three quarters. And and at the end, I mean, I think that that's just both teams – and you saw it too. Like, I think that both teams' defenses were just wearing down at that point. Like, mm-hmm. just because of the heat, just because of being on the field so much, just because of everything. Like, you know, they 
both defenses were playing at such a high level through the first couple of quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, it was just kind of, again, I think they just physically wore down in that heat. And, um, you know, and that's the one thing that I'll say, right? Is like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you trust Baylor to get it right again on offense quicker than you do for them to find something on defense. Right. <clears throat> you know, so to, to have this kind of defensive performance to really, again, like, hold them underwater. Like, they they were the best unit on the field yesterday with Baylor's defense until the fourth quarter. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they were matching Iowa State, arguably, you know, along with TCU, the best defense in the conference. You know, they were matching them blow for blow. And so, you know, they made it a little too interesting, obviously. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they end up kicking a, uh, a game-winning field goal with, I think, 18 seconds left. Yeah. And And the thing is, too, is, like, Everyone was convinced that, like, <laughs> I, I, you never want to say that, oh, they didn't have faith in a kid, but, like, John Maris had never made a field goal before. Like, he has never made one in his Baylor career, mm-hmm. and he was put up there to kick the game-winning field goal, <laughs> and uh, and he nailed it. I mean, uh, and he said after the game, uh, I saw that this was the best moment of his life so far, <laughs> so so hopefully he can build some momentum off of oh, that, but, uh, but I mean, Baylor was a better team. That's the yeah. biggest thing. No, like, the, yeah, like, the better it, team it, was won. Not, it was not a good game from either team, right? Right, And right. Baylor looked like the better team. Um, right. It was just that when I turned on the fourth quarter and I was like, wait, why is it 21 20? Like, right. Right. Like, what's what the going hell on? happened? Yeah. 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 And, and now, I mean, look, I, I wrote about it early in the week too. I have, I have an article up on TexasFootball.com, but like, Baylor had not beaten a team that finished the regular season better than 500. Like, yeah. they had never beaten a team that was better than 6 and 6 mm-hmm. in the entire Matt Rule era. Uh, well, unless you want to count, I think Abilene Christian won 6 and 5 last year, but whatever. You know right. what I mean? Uh, and so, this was, this obviously, you know, obviously you expect Iowa State to be better in 500 in the regular season. So, mm-hmm. I just saw this as a big opportunity. You know, they're picked number three in the conference. And, and like, you know what? After losing this game, Iowa State's probably not going to finish top three in the conference. Right. And, like, Baylor now has an opportunity to slide in in that place. So it's dumb, and, I mean, again, the way that the fourth quarter went was very uninspiring, but, like, you know, you wanted Baylor to look like the better team on the field on Saturday, and they absolutely did. Yeah, and now, I mean, yeah, Kansas State's going to be really tough, but then you get a damaged Tech team, and, I mean, they could be looking at 6-0 and going into Stillwater, which is going to be a lot, that game's going to be a lot of fun um but next week's gonna be a lot of fun as well um yeah i I can't say it's gonna be a good test for both teams to kind of see where see where both uh both of them are at in the pecking order of the big 12 um but things are still looking really good for for baylor and about where we kind of hoped they would be right we we hoped they would be this dark horse contender and iowa state was one of those teams where you're like i don't know if they can pull that one out (laughs) <laughs> should have been based on the first three quarters or so. But again, if you would have told me that. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you just didn't, you just didn't know Baylor was up there. Them And it's still, it, things are still pointing in the right direction. No reason to be worried yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think that. Yeah, I mean, this is what you wanted to see at the end of the day. Uh, okay, number one is Texas. Uh, still at the top. They didn't have a game this week. Mm-hmm. Look, I 
I don't know what exactly it's going to take for me to put SMU at, at number one at this because Texas has been playing really well. I think, I mean, it's unfortunate for Texas because it, it, it'd be against Oklahoma, but it's it's if Oklahoma, they lose to Oklahoma and SMU still wins, they, right? Right. Like just because you, you have to reward winning and losing, winning, and then you have to, you know, you have to penalize losing in some way. And so, unfortunately for Texas, it would be losing to the, a top five team in the country. And if SMU just keeps winning, just because... I mean, it's about it's about momentum and it's about you know winning streaks and things like that. So, yeah, 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 no doubt. And I mean, so you get uh, so they get Tulsa next week, and mm-hmm. then they have a bye the week of Texas Oklahoma. But then they play versus Temple at Houston at Memphis in successive weeks, and those are gonna. I mean, I think that they have the ability to win all three of those games. Yeah. But that's by the way, kinda... should, by the way, we should say uh, SMU beat uh, UCF, USF forty eight twenty one. It wasn't that close. Uh, in fact, it they probably... were up. 41 to 0. Yeah, it was absolutely not that close. Uh, in fact, I almost texted my friend. I was like, you want to see a dead body? And just, t- send- <laughs> <laughs> and just sent him the link to the get to the game. Because uh, it was... Oh, boy. I-, I wanted to entertain the idea of it being a close game. Just because, you know, Florida schools have always given Texas schools a, a, bit, of a bit of a hassle. But no, uh, that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, and I mean, I... I figured, like, hey, you know, I think that we know enough about SMU at this point to know that they're better than USF, but right. to go into their home stadium, yeah. you don't just walk into Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> like, to you go into their home stadium. Tampa Bay Stadium and beat <laughs> Exactly. <USF. laughs> you don't survive the ghost of Jameis Winston. Like, that just doesn't happen. But, uh, but um, they go in there and just beat the hell out of them like like they just in every facet and like every facet of the game before this game too richard moore was ruled out for the season like yeah that that was something where you're like oh that's maybe their best defensive player maybe you could have some issues and apparently not (laughs) apparently (laughs) not even a little bit like and i mean there will be games where i think that you feel that uh feel that loss a little bit more obviously but Um, but you know, overall, it's still just like this defense is playing so much like a unit right now. And, Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's funny because you look at the sort of overall numbers and like, you know, they're sort of bottom third and yardage allowed and, you know, probably not super high in scoring defense, but like, you just have to watch these games and watch how they've gone. This is a dominant defense. Like, this is a really, really good group of five defense, regardless of, you know, however many yards per carry they allow. Like, they are a dominant defense. They're a defense that, I think even if the offense was the same as last year, would still win them a bunch of games, and it turns out the offense this year is going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's, I mean, some of the throws that Shane Bichelle was making, um, I believe it was... I can't remember if it was his third second or third touchdown pass uh to James Prochet but he hit him perfectly in stride and I was thinking like again we talked about Ben Hicks earlier and I'm just like was is James Prochet just like was he just crying after he received that pass <laughs> like because it, it was like perfectly in stride he didn't break anything he didn't break out of his run he was he like had a perfect uh his back against the, the defender to where he was shielding him perfectly and it just landed nestled right in his arm and I'm like was he has he just been waiting for that throw like that type of throw, um, because again, he's not, and he's not putting up Jared Goff numbers, Michelle, right? He's not throwing for five hundred yards, four hundred yards. He's just, and it's because they have balance, right? It's because they they can run the ball as well with Xavier Jones, 
And but they, you know, Bichelle doesn't need to throw for 350. He can throw for less than 250 and be okay. And and the offense still looks devastating when he does. And uh, and then obviously you combine that with a defense that isn't going to give up over 20 points a game. It looks like, um, you know, and it's just it's setting something up for. It's just setting up something really, really good. Um, Cause golly, I we knew SMU could be good. And I don't I don't know if any of us thought that SMU could compete for the AAC in Sonny Dyke's second year. And even even though we knew Bichelle was good, right? I don't know if we, right. we, we were looking at them and saying, Oh yeah, that's an AAC contender. Like in Bichelle's first year under Sonny with Sonny Dykes. So so uh let me ask you this. Do you know how many sacks SMU had on Saturday? Oh, I said three. Uh, a little more than that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one more guess. Okay. Uh, seven? They had ten sacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ten sacks. Oh, my God. All right. Here's, here's a quick list of every player who contributed to, at, you know, at least half a sack. Yeah, okay. Richard McBride, Demerick Gary, Delonte Scott, Terrence Newman, Toby and Dukeway, <laughs> Pono Davis, Garrett Wiley, or Gary Wiley, sorry, Nelson Paul, Zach Abercrombie, and Elijah Chapman. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like, right, I'm, gonna look, just... I'm gonna look up some sacks allowed numbers to see is USF just that bad? Or are we looking at a really good uh, front for SMU? Because that is probably that is probably both, probably both, both, maybe. But uh, but I mean, look, here's the reality too, right? It's yeah. like. In the past, let's say, you know, 30 years of SMU football, sure. is there a team that, even if the other team was bad at giving up sacks, could have gotten 10 sacks? Sure. That's, that's true. That's true. You have to, you have to go get them. <laughs> you have to get the sack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's just a crazy impressive effort from them, of course. And, and actually, funnily enough, you know, uh, Richard Moore goes down. The guy who steps him into his place, Auburn transfer Richard McBride, who's a guy who we thought might be able to get some shine. Uh, and, and that's the thing, too, is like mm-hmm. with all these transfers, they have so many options of guys who were playing at high power schools. Yeah. Like, right. you, you know, you lose a guy and it's like, you know, like a safety, you know, if, if somebody goes out, you can bring in Cameron Jones, who was at Nebraska last year, you know, yeah. like stuff like that. It's where you just have so many options that you maybe didn't have before. I mean, Chevin Calloway doesn't even start for this team. Like, he's obviously a really good player. Like... There are just so many options out here, and I think that teams just can't match that kind of depth and uh, you know power five talent, and and obviously you you mix that in with James Prochet, who's a legit uh, homegrown kid, mm-hmm. and like you know he has seven catches, ninety six yards, two touchdowns. Xavier Jones, another uh, you know kid who started there, fifteen carries, one hundred fifty five yards, two touchdowns. I mean, what the hell do you do? Right. Like, what the hell do you do? Yeah. Okay, so through before this game, through uh, three games before, yeah. How many sacks do you think USF allowed? Eight. Ten. <laughs> they allowed ten. <laughs> they allowed the exact same amount of, ga- of sacks in one game that they had in the previous three. <laughs> All right, that's. I mean, and again, not that we expect SMU to average ten sacks a game, but that but is awesome. Like, <laughs> that's freaking awesome, man. All right. Well, anyway, let's wrap things up. Number 12, UTSA. Number 11, UTEP. Number 10, Rice. Number 9, Texas State. Number 8, Texas Tech. Number 7, North Texas. Number 6, Houston. Number 5, Texas A&M. Number 4, TCU. Number 3, Baylor. Number 2, SMU. Number 1, Texas. Whew. Man. man. Things are starting to come into picture a little more. 
yeah, well, this is this is where, like, for me, I mean, if it, well, if you're a fan of the sport, right? Especially yeah. if you're a fan of the sport across the board, mm-hmm. like, this is when the group of five teams start playing within their own conference, and right. so you actually start learning things about these teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't have to see Bryce play against gigantic humans, <laughs> for right? Example. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and like same same though with like uh, conference games too, right? Like Baylor plays against Iowa State, we learn some things about them. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much more fun to, to watch once we kind of get into this. So, yeah. uh, all right. I mean, gosh, what a week. <laughs> there's going to be a lot, lot of happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think next week there's quite a bit of buys, don't we? Don't we have a lot of buys? Yeah, there's a, dec- there's a decent amount of buys, I know. But, I know Texas um, State's but we on saw- a buy. Uh, I think Texas, Texas is back. Uh, they were on a yeah. buy this week. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't mean, back. God, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> uh, but we get Baylor on the road at Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tech comes to, or a Tech hosts Oklahoma State. Um, you know, SMU plays. I think A&M's I'm on still, a buy. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out which game I should go to next week. I'm, I'm a little on the fence. Like, yeah, I, I just don't think you, that you there's feel, a great option. Right, because, I mean, you got... You got Red River the next week, so you you know you don't want to waste sure. it on, you don't want to waste it on or and Texas away too. So, um, yeah, that's gonna be interesting. I don't know. I mean, do you know it's at? Yeah, it's at Iowa State. Because um, like I'm not I'm not gonna waste a Texas trip on West Virginia. Right. You know? Exactly. And like, exactly. And the. Yeah. Uh, Right. I mean, that, that's that's very much a, hey, let me ask him after the game about what it's like to kill a man. You right. Know? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, um, although I could see uh, I could see our, our sweet out-of-state boy, Zach Smith, uh, former Baylor quarterback. Oh, ah, but... there you go. Well, actually, hold on. <laughs> let me see. What? What FCS game? What Southland game is going on next weekend? So so that's the big one. It's Sam versus uh, S-Phase next weekend. So so that's something. But the okay. only thing is, again, like... Sam should maybe, destroy him, but... Right. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. Mm. <gasps> Ooh. Incarnate Word at Houston Baptist. <laughs> that's a very Dave Campbell's game. That is a very Dave Campbell's game. Houston Baptist, who is still, I think, unbeaten in the FCS. Yeah. They're still Did they four, win again? They they beat Texas Southern sixty eight to thirty one. Oh yeah, that's Bailey right. Bailey Zappi that. threw nearly five hundred yards and he had seven touchdowns. Holy crap, Dude, this, that, this Houston Baptist thing is happening. Come on, that might be the game. You gotta seriously <laughs> consider that. All right. I I'll think about it. I'll think about it. The other one, I'm I'm thinking about stopping by tech and just kind of basically oh, for, checking in. Yeah. Yeah, because tech, and, and then we also, you know, uh, we'll see Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace. So that's a good idea. Yeah, oh man, that's you know, a big one too. Yeah, yeah. The only question is like, is is that worth the Lubbock trip? I right. don't know. We'll think. But but at the same time, it's like if I don't make that Lubbock trip, there's a you know, gets a lot dicier to make any Lubbock trips this year. And I Very true. do love go- I do love going to Lubbock. I just you yeah, know, you gotta go see your boy. Gotta go I gotta boy, go see Matt my Wallace. boy. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway. That's enough from us. Uh, once again, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can find us on Facebook, Dave, uh, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Uh, please, if you have not at this point, we are on our hands and knees begging you. Please subscribe to our magazine, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, actually, if you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday, these are the last two days that if you subscribe today, that you will get the 2019 Summer Edition magazine, the one with Sam Ellinger on the cover. After October 1st, 
we quote-unquote flip the switch, which is a very Our Boss phrase that yeah. has permeated all of our social media posts. <laughs> but um, but uh, on Tuesday, October 1st, the switch flips, and you'll still get two magazines, but you'll get the, uh, you'll get the Winter Recruiting Edition first, and then you'll have to wait until the 2020 Summer Edition before you get your next magazine. So mm-hmm. if you want to get the Sam Ellinger uh, 2019 Summer Edition, you have to subscribe in the next two days. So get on that. Uh, and, and also, the, other, the flip side of that, of course, is if you already have the uh, Texas Summer Edition, well, uh, you know, you can subscribe after October 1st and you get our next two magazines. So how about that? <laughs> All right. Uh, First of all, Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks again for, for checking in. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.